Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. All right, so if I have not gotten the pleasure of meeting you yet, my name is Jay Sackridge. I am a sophomore attending UCCS here in Colorado Springs, and I'm the seventh grade blue team mentor. Or am I, are any of my seventh grade guys in the house tonight? Awesome. Awesome. Love you, man. Also, um, anyone who is involved in our junior high discipleship track last semester, leaders included, raise your hand. Awesome. It's good to see you guys again. I haven't seen you in a while. Also, one other quick shout out. I have my dear friend Colin in the house tonight. Everyone give a shout out for Colin. Awesome to have you back, bro. He's only back for a couple more weeks, but wanted to shout him out because he's a super good friend of mine. All right, so before we move into new material tonight, I'm going to recap where we've come from so far in our series. So obviously we're talking about the Lord's Prayer. We, we, we talked about God as Father, starting the prayer, Our Father in Heaven. Say, God is Father. Awesome. Week two, we talked about God is Holy, the hallowed be your name portion of the prayer. Say, God is Holy. God is Holy. And last week, we talked about God is Good, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Say, God is good with me. God is good. Awesome, thank you. So I'm going to read the, the portions of scripture that I just mentioned, and I'm also going to introduce the next verse, which is going to be our topic of discussion tonight. Matthew 6, 9 through 11, Jesus says this on the Sermon on the Mount. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's the new part. Give us this day our daily bread. Let's open a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would descend on this place tonight. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work tonight. I pray that you would be able to speak to each of these students tonight, to each of these lovely children of yours. I pray that I will be your mouthpiece, Lord, your, your vessel, that you would speak through me and I would hide behind have it hide under your great glory, Father. Spirit, you are welcome here. We, we allow you room to work here. Open our minds and our hearts to what you want us to receive tonight, Father. Lord, would you work in this place in the only way you can. Bless this time. All this is for your glory. Spe- speak to all of us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we'll be talking through, give us this day our daily bread. So from this part of the prayer, I looked over, I looked over at the phrase several times. I was thinking about it, meditating about it. I felt the Lord give me the phrase, Jesus sustains. Say that with me. Jesus sustains. Thank you. That is going to be the title of my message tonight, Jesus sustains. So I asked my small group a few weeks ago what they thought the word sustain meant, and None of them have heard. None of them have heard what that word meant. So I'm going to define sustained for you. According to Google, I know very reliable source, but sustained as defined as to uphold or maintain. So to say Jesus sustains is to say Jesus maintains our walk with Him. More about this in a little. So in this one phrase, give us this day our daily bread. 
There are three things I want you to receive tonight. I believe the Lord wants you to receive tonight. So if you're taking notes, point number one, receive Jesus as sustainer. It's the first part of the verse, give us. We have to receive something. We need to receive Jesus as our sustainer. You need to see Jesus as your sustainer and your sustainer and your sustainer. And also as a corporate body, as our sustainer, Jesus sustains us. Receive him as your upholder and maintainer. Now, let me give a personal example from my own life. How many of you would say that you grew in your walk with Jesus over lockdown a couple years ago? All right, yeah. You, you know, it's okay. It was, it was a hard time for a lot of us. So the people who say they grew, awesome, I'm, I'm proud of you. And actually that week we were planning, well, the weekend we were planning on having a junior high retreat for you guys. And obviously, as we all know, I believe it was March 12, 2020, the world went on, the world went on lockdown and we had that uh, two-week executive stay-at-home order. So we couldn't do that retreat for you guys. We were, we were going to have a lot of the mentors that are in uh, junior high small groups on Sundays be able to engage with you guys. You're going to be able to engage with you guys for the first time, but that wasn't going to be able to happen. So not being able to go to church in person anymore, being physically there, I could have used it as a vacation for my faith. I could have said, yeah, I could put the Jesus thing on the shelf for a little. I, I kind of deal with a lot right now. Or I could have pressed into the presence of God. I, I could have pressed into his presence. I could have seeked him more thoroughly. I could have spent more time with him because I had all that time. I believe that's exactly what I did that I was convicted of. Those online Sunday morning services and those... Yeah, it was online morning services and those worship Wednesdays, I actually was really looking forward to because it was different from the routine that I was so used to, just doing school online and doing all of my home duties, even working out at home, but staying at home 95% of the week. I was looking forward to those services, and the Holy Spirit was convicting me to not walk away from my faith, even though I, could, I was physically distant. I was physically distant, but I still felt very spiritually and socially connected uh, to the church through, through the youth ministry and some other things. But I can say very easily, Jesus was sustaining and maintaining my walk with him through that time. Now let's hear some scripture about Jesus sustaining us. The first passage could be Hebrews 1.3. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. And also Colossians 1.17 says, he existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Because Jesus is God, Jesus has always existed. Jesus is I am. In fact, the same God that spoke to Moses at the burning bush is the same God speaking to you through me right now. Because Jesus is I am. So, to say Jesus is sustainer is to say Jesus is constant and in control. Again, to say Jesus is sustainer is to say Jesus is constant and in control. He will not change, so neither will his sovereignty. Let me show you guys a cool way to study the Bible for yourselves. We're going to be reading 1 Corinthians 1.8 for this section. 1 Corinthians 1.8 says, He will keep you strong to the end, so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. Now, this translation says that Jesus strengthens and fortifies us and will continue to do so until he returns again in glory. So, to say Jesus is sustainer is to say Jesus strengthens us from this specific translation. Then, if we move over to a different translation, the ESV, 1 Corinthians 1 8 says, 
who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this first translation said that Jesus will strengthen us. And this translation says that Jesus will continually purify and sanctify us. So you may not know what those words mean. It simply means that he will continue making us holy until he returns in glory. So to say Jesus is sustainer is to say Jesus is purifying us. Point number two, receive Jesus daily. So we talked about give us, receive Jesus as sustainer. Now we're talking about this day, receive Jesus daily. We have to trust Jesus every day, guys. This world is not gonna be something we could put our trust and our hope in. Jesus is the only thing we can put our hope in. There's a story in Exodus when the Israelites are in the middle of the wilderness and they complain about not having food. Mr. Chandler in his Devo on Sunday morning um, echoed the story and I'm going to echo it as well. I'm gonna play off of what he said and, I'll, and also add to it. So I want you to put, you, put yourselves in the Israelites' shoes for a few seconds. Roughly around 600,000 people in the wilderness of Sinai in the middle of the desert, imagine. And where's all that food and water gonna come from? Obviously you don't know. You're walking around there and you, you can't easily see this, this food and this water. You'll probably start, start to get anxious and pro- I would suppose that the Israelites probably got hangry uh, d- during this time and they, they were complaining about uh, not having this food. So they talk, they were complaining to Moses and Moses hears what they're saying and he goes and intercedes on their behalf with God at the tabernacle. And this was the Lord's reply uh, to the Israelites, to Moses, for Moses to say to the people of Israel. We pick up in Exodus 16, 11 through 18. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them, in the evening, you will have meat to eat. And in the morning, you will have all the bread you want. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. And the next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. Let me pause here for a second. There has been a few pastors that have made the joke, this is where idea where frosted flakes came from. A flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground, hence frosted flakes. So is he, uh, continuing on in verse 15, the Israelites are puzzled when they saw it. What is it? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. And also something quick to note here, if you if you ever study the Bible some, the word manna actually means what is it? So when the Israelites muttered what is it, they might have actually been saying manna because the Bible was translated from the Hebrew language into the English language. So so we, Americans, the people who speak English could read it. So they might have actually said manna, but we read it as what is it? And Moses told them, it is the food the Lord has given you to eat. These are the Lord's instructions. Each household should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. When they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. And those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. So we were in this first situation where the Israelites were complaining about not having food. And now we're in this different situation where Jesus is giving them manna every morning, quail every night to be able to to satisfy their hunger. And Mr. Chandler made the point on Sunday morning 
Think about if you ever had to pray for your meal every day, like you had to pray for the provision of your meal, like God was gonna provide food for you. This is what, this is what the Israelites, yeah, this is what the Israelites, it's had to do. So it kind of puts into perspective when we pray before our meal, it might have, been, it might have actually been a habit from God's chosen people in, in Exodus. We don't know this for sure, but it could, it could have been something, but it adds more of a weight to praying, praying before our meals. And it just shows just how much the Israelites needed to trust, needed to trust God, excuse me. The Israelites did not know what tomorrow would hold. They had to trust God daily that he would give them enough. And he indeed indeed gave them enough each day. He did not fail on his promises to satisfy the Israelites' needs. We need to live with that kind of trust in our God, to daily trust him. Matthew 6, 33 and 34. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. We can trust God daily by seeking him every day, spending time with him every day, and declaring every day, Jesus, I trust you. This passage, Matthew 6, and 34, holds a special place in my heart because Jesus gave me a word that quoted this very verse out of Matthew 6. Now, for context before, before I start the story, my family likes to call my dad and I Excel spreadsheets. Now, some of you may not know what Excel spreadsheets are. They were kind of a thing in the pass out computers, but we still use them sometimes today. Simply an Excel spreadsheet is a way to organize data. You can like add, subtract stuff. You could just put a bunch of text and organize it in these different cells, they call it. But my family calls us, my dad and I that, because we are uh, effective organizers. We like organizing our weeks. We like saying what we're going to do, thinking about how we're going to tackle it. And we are very much people of routine. And following suit, uh, before every Sunday morning small group with you guys, I am able to go to the 9 a.m. adult service in the living room over here, and actually now at a New Life Feast, I was able to go every single Sunday before engaging with you guys in small groups. I was able to be filled up so I, so I could be poured out to you guys. And then on Christmas and on New Year's Eve, two, two separate days, a family member tested positive for COVID. So that means I was unable to go to church in person. Now, this devastated me because I am a person of routine, as I, as I was just talking about. I like go, going to church in person. I think I felt like there was, there was a little bit of a difference. I, because I was going so much in person, um, I did have really good times with the Lord during that, but I came comfortable with that routine. I became maybe even in a sense reliant on that routine, and God did not want that for me. So I, I feel like through the about 10-day quarantine I had where I wasn't able I wasn't able to come to church. God wanted me to put back my reliance on him and him alone. And initially when we had to do the quarantine, I was frustrated, sad, confused. I was like, why, why do I have to do this? I want to I go back in person. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to stay home. And in those wrestling with those emotions, one night the Lord came to me and gave me this word. Don't stick to routine. Trust me daily. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has its own worries. Today's troubles are enough for today. You know, God is gracious enough to be able to temporarily maybe remove us from situations to grow us or like to temporarily change what's going on in our life to show us something and not, 
And not because he's bad, because God is 100% absolutely good. But sometimes he does those things to, to grow us and challenge us and change us for the better, because that, that's just how good of a God he is. So I had to begin taking God at his word daily, come, to daily come to him and say, God, I trust you today. I had to receive him as daily bread. And after I got this word from the father that quoted, that quoted Matthew 6, the online services that followed, I was really... I had a really good time in those um, services. I, um, I, I don't want to call it an experience based off of the things God was telling me over that quarantine, but it was, it was different from the online services um, I, had, I had done before, and I'm thankful that God put my full reliance back on him and that it wasn't about the experience of the setting. It was just, it was just experiencing him. He, again, took my almost reliance off of my routine and put it back on him. So to give a little bit more down-to-earth demonstration of this thing of trusting on Jesus and not the material things of this world, um, we're going to play a game of musical chairs. And I need four volunteers in the crowd, and three of you need to bring up your chairs with you over here. All right. Um, who am I going to pick? Uh, the guy in the yellow hoodie right here? Sure, Cindy, why not? And then... All right, how, how about Emma and... All right. It's Levi, right? J Jack? Jack? Okay. Yeah, all right, come up here. Um, guys, put it over here, please. Sorry, I, I just want to make sure you don't fall on the equipment. Yeah, sorry, like, pick up your chairs and move it over here because there's more space over here. So obviously you guys uh, sh should know how the game of musical chairs works. So you have chairs, obviously, and... You're walking around the chairs um, to some song. You're dancing to some song. And then when the music stops, you have to try and get in the chair. And the person who, person who doesn't get in the chair has, has to go sit down. Um, so that, that's pretty simple, right? Um, so can we get the music hit over here? And, uh, and you guys to start dancing around the chairs. Sydney. I'm sorry, you go sit down. All right, yeah, yeah, take a chair out. Let's put it back to back. Let's do. All right, hit it one more. Hit it again. Jack, I'm so sorry. Go sit down. All right, last one, guys. Uh, sorry, you both lose. 
Let me help you up. Okay, I pulled I, I pull the chair on purpose. Um, but yeah, it's part, it's part of the demonstration. So thank you guys for playing. Sorry that ended badly. Go ahead and sit down. Yes. All right, all right, your two winners. All right, well, thank you, thank you to the four people who played that game. Um, again, sorry, sorry, it ended kind of poorly, but let me explain why I did what I just did. So imagine, imagine this chair right here is something of the physical world, something material. Now, a chair, as long as someone doesn't move it, is going, is going to stay there. It's not going to move. But once I pulled it, it moved. Some things in the world that may seem reliable initially, they, they might, things might change. Things might get pulled away. That's just because how the world works in times. But when life pulls you from under the rug, imagine this four is Jesus. Life pulls you from under the rug. You have to fall back on Jesus. Those things of the world that once were somewhat reliable are no longer reliable, and we have to fall back on Jesus. That is what we have to do. We cannot depend on the things of this world. Our world may change, but our God does not. We have a God that does not change, and we should be super grateful for that. Trust Jesus daily. The thing about receiving Jesus daily, we can't do that without trusting Jesus daily, so we have to do this. Number three, receive Jesus as daily bread. So we talked about give us. Receive Jesus as sustainer. This day, receive Jesus daily, and I have... I had the story about being reliant on routine and the musical chairs demonstration right there. Now we're talking about our daily bread. We have to receive Jesus as daily bread. And guys, the Bible doesn't make this huge, the Bible doesn't make this huge mystical thing about what our daily bread is when it says, give us this day our daily bread. Because Jesus specifically says that he's the bread of life. He declares himself as such in John 6, 35. It says there, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So I don't know about you guys, but eating no more bread at all temporarily, sat temporarily satisfies my hunger, but does not sustain my appetite. I have to eat again in a few hours because just bread doesn't do that much for me. It does, does not satisfy my hunger at all. But Jesus calling himself the bread of life is radical. See, unlike our physical bread, Jesus can sustain our spiritual appetite. Every time we come to him, our spiritual hunger is satisfied. Every time we believe in him, our spiritual thirst is quenched. Here we see Jesus as sustainer. I'll say it again. Jesus is the bread of life. To say Jesus is our daily bread is to say Jesus sustains us daily. As you continue reading scripture, you will see that Jesus calling himself the bread of life has a deeper meaning as we draw closer to his death. Jesus calling himself the bread of life is a symbol of something I want to remind us of. So at the end of every main service out in the living room over here, we come together as a church body and participate in the sacrament of communion. Now, for those of you who do not know what communion is, it is simply the act of remembering Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for us and its importance. If I were to have a little communion cup right now that has a wafer and a cup of juice in it. The little wafer on the top represents Jesus' body beaten and broken for us. And the cup of juice represents Jesus' blood. So I'm, I'm going to describe the importance of what a communion is. I'm going to, I'm going to go about it in detail. I was going to do it with you guys tonight, but there were some complications, so I'm going to be demonstrating it after our worship response. Jesus and his disciples were the first to participate in communion at the Last Supper. 
There are multiple accounts of the Last Supper, but I'm going to read the one from the Gospel of Luke in Luke 22:19. It says there, he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Guys, Jesus' body was beaten and broken so we could be healed and whole. Let me say that again. Jesus' body was beaten and broken so we could be healed and whole. Again, the bread Jesus broke and gave to his disciples represents his body broken for our sins. When Jesus said he is the bread of life, he meant that he was going to go die on a cross for our sins, that he would give his life for us. It's important to note that Jesus said he is the bread of life shortly after feeding the 5,000, consisted of him breaking bread and distributing it to the masses of 5,000 people. We see again at the Last Supper, Jesus breaking bread and distributing it to his disciples. Jesus was proclaiming his death both times. He was proclaiming that as the bread of life, he was going to die and break his body so we may be saved. So to say Jesus is our daily bread is to remember Jesus' sacrifice for us. Now we're going to remember Jesus' sacrifice in twofold ways. First, we're going to, uh, Pastor Victor is going to lead us in a worship response in nothing but the blood of Jesus. And then after, I'm going to, I'm going to do a bit of a, a cheesy demonstration of what communion is, but I still want to keep the seri seriousness there. So we're going to, again, we're going to worship, um, remember Jesus' sacrifice for us through worship and also through a demonstration I'm going to do after worship. So if you, if you guys want to stand up and prepare your hearts for worship, Pastor Victor is going to lead us. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.